In studio with us this morning, Haven USD 312 Superintendent Craig Idakavich. Good morning, Craig. Good morning, Nick. How are you? I'm doing well. Good. So let's start by talking about this um, paperwork that you all are having to do to determine how many kids you can fit in each grade. Every school district across the state is having to do this because of the open enrollment statute that was passed basically saying if you've got a seat and uh, and somebody wants to come sit in it then you have to allow them to do that but in order to do that uh, you kind of have to play the musical chairs game and go okay how many teachers are we going to have in each grade and how many students are we going to be able to take and what's our uh, what's a full class and what's a full school and all of that kind of stuff where are you at in that process yeah so um First semester board passed um, or approved policy um, just for that new statute, um, and now we're working on what are those numbers. So figuring out, figuring out where um, we can fit more out of district kids. Just kind of looking at our numbers um, across the district. Haven's really unique. We've got some classes in the 70s, and we've got some classes in the in the high 40s, and so um, we can take more in those lower grades of out of district kids that that want to come in as opposed to ones that um are already full so trying to figure that out we've got to have that um going by may 1 so we'll take that to the board in april um for final approval all right and then uh, i know some districts have said that once you get into that you're going to have to start um doing enrollment further away from school days because you need to know who's leaving and who's coming so you can continue to to play musical chairs so to speak um and do you see there being enough of a flux in haven to where you're going to have to move up enrollments from what it was from what it is normally right now before school starts yeah um no but i say that and that can certainly change so that's certainly not set in stone um but kind of looking at our history of out of district kids um we have about 18 percent of our kids are out of district and and all those kids are allowed to come back um so to see a huge influx that um will put us over capacity um i don't foresee that but um as i said some yeah, that could certainly happen, and then we would adjust from there. Sure, and and you're going to have some ups and downs, too, with Yoder Charter School now going away and uh, turning into a early learning center. There's going to be some kids that say, yeah, okay, I want to go ahead and go on over to, to Haven for school, and there are going to be kids from the Yoder area that say, I want to make a different choice as far as um, the the schooling, whether it's homeschooling or, or one, of the other, uh, one of the other local districts or whatever that might be be uh so the you kind of i guess it might make the math easier to take that bit to take that building out of that number but that but that's not obviously not the reason you did it the main thing is is to create additional space for the early learning yeah absolutely as we, as we had went into those discussions it was how are we using our resources um in that area and um can we use them differently and and so we thought you know, increasing our footprint with um, our early learning um, is huge, um, is vital in terms of getting those kids ready for um, kindergarten. Um, and it's one of our state board outcomes is, is kindergarten readiness. And so increasing that footprint and allowing um, the RCEC, our, our special ed co-op is going to have a couple of classrooms down there as well. And then 
increasing our amount of extended days. So it, um, trying to do a little bit of damage or, or um, a dent in that large number of child care slots that are still needed in the county. All right. So um, what do you have and what do you think you're going to be able to have? Rough numbers. Um, we will have a three-year-old classroom and a four-year-old classroom and then um, up to two of those extended day classrooms. So we could take um, up to 80 kids extended. And then there will also be the two RCEC classrooms as well. Okay. So if I'm remembering right from, and I've slept a couple times since I got the numbers from Megan, but you had where you could take take up to 80, but you could only take like 40 for extended day, if I'm remembering correctly. And now you'd be able to, in theory, at least take all 80 for, for, for both halves of the day, one half doing one and the other half doing the other. Yes. Cause it, currently we would have in that extended, we only have the one classroom that can take 20 in the morning, 20 in the afternoon. And they're opposite of when they're attending pre-K. And so we're going to increase that by one classroom. So it'll just double. Okay. And then the RCEC folks, is that going to be mostly Haven kids or do they have kids from elsewhere in the county they're going to want to bring in? They're going to bring in um, currently RCEC buses or those districts, um, other schools in our county bus um, up to Hutch. Um, And so this auction will be closer for them as well. So they'll bus into Haven. Okay. And is that going to be, is that, those are, those are threes and fours as well then? Correct. Okay. Yep. Okay. So again, that'll be in Yoder, where the Yoder Charter School is now. So uh, right there along Yoder Road in Yoder is where that's going to be starting in the fall. And you haven't done, obviously, enrollment for that yet, but people find out about things and, and they call and ask questions. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you are, are interested in that, you can call Megan Hett at the district office. But, you know, certainly people have heard those plans and are getting on both of those lists as we've um, kind of got some preliminary lists going. We actually have a story posted at Hutch Post talking about a soft lockdown event that took place in the Inman School District yesterday because they were doing some uh, doing some work with canines from their sheriff's department. So that was a uh, that was something that that they knew was going to happen, uh, but the but the parents may not have known immediately. And so, in a town that size, and Haven's not a lot bigger, um, whenever there's a police car or any any sort of law enforcement vehicle at the school building, um, somebody puts it on Facebook, and then and, and and then the wildfire of what exactly is happening starts. So, as a school superintendent from a Haven perspective. What do you do to let parents know what's going on, what what you can let them know? Because you can't tell them everything. Yeah, absolutely. We had a similar situation, and we do the same thing that Inman does where we bring in canines and, and do a soft lockdown. And then, you know, in a situation like that, it's kind of situation-specific. So with that, we would follow up with a, with what we call a thrill share, which is a communication device or system that we use to talk to our parents or be able to send out mass communication. And so using that, um, letting them know, um, you know, another situation, like you said, sometimes we can't share, um, information to protect privacy of, um, everybody that is involved. And so we've got to make sure we're doing that, but, um, we're going to share if your, your kid's safe and, and, you know, that we had a situation and, you know, we always have, um, adults on staff to be able to, to, 
talk through any trauma that drills cause because drills do cause trauma, no matter if it's a fire drill or a tornado drill. Um, those things can cause trauma with some kids. And so um, being able to address those kinds of things, but as a, from a policy standpoint, you know, um, and trust that our admin are going to keep everybody safe and, and make decisions, whether it's a soft lockdown or, um, you know, if it was something outside in a level one where we had to just bring kids inside. And then um, we'll talk through it if it's something um, we need to communicate out with parents or we can just do it within our building depending on the age. Right. And uh, another important point is that those drills that you were just talking about beyond the events, drills are by law, you have to do those. Correct. Yeah. We're required to do so many a year, um, you know, and, and, you know, whether it's fire, tornado, lockdown, um, we've got some other, you know, if it was a chemical spill or a couple of years ago, they uh, had the gas plant explosion, those kinds of things. That- sure. Now, I've never asked this, and maybe you won't know the answer, but you can get it for me. Um, if you have an event, can that, for want of a better way of putting it, count as your drill? Because to me, it would seem really bad to have an event like the gas explosion or whatever that forces you to use all those procedures that you're supposed to be practicing. And then two weeks later, because that's when it's scheduled, you have to do the practice one. Yeah, no, yes, you absolutely can. And you can use things like we've done, (laughs) we have our admin do and with their staff tabletop activities. So being able to talk through, um, the state department puts out some of those that we can talk about, um, drills or put us in situations to be able to talk through what we would do in those situations without necessarily getting kids um, out of the building and, and things that disrupt our school day. And uh, how I know that uh, the local Haven officers are in there all the time just as a course of their normal duties, but uh, how much information do you give to the sheriff's office and other outside agencies that if you had something major happen, might have to come respond? Yeah, we've got a great relationship with Haven PD and the sheriff's department with that with that being said. Um, but, you know, I've got Chief Schaefer on my cell phone, so I can text him and he'll reply or come up to my office. But um, as you said, he they are... PD does a really good job of just getting into our buildings and just visiting with admin, walking around, eating lunch um, with kids. So they're seen um, in our buildings and not just out on the streets all the time. Well, and and the part about that is when you do have an event, you want kids to look at the police officer as a friend they want to go to, not somebody they want to avoid. Yeah, they're they're helpers, um, you know, and it's just like kind of being in administration. Sometimes you've got to um, hold people accountable, kids, adults, whoever it may be. And, and so, so police officers sometimes get a bad rap um, for having to do that. <laughs> sure. Okay. And what's the most fun thing you did this past week? Um, it's been, uh, as I say, it's been a great some that quarter to be a wildcat we had three three medal placers at state a state runner-up and a young lady placed third and another gentleman placed fifth um both of our basketball teams are in the semis and then a chance to go to the state tournament we had um outstanding ratings at a music concert yesterday we've got a couple kids um up for ffa um district office so it's a it's a really uh, good quarter it's been a good year to be a wildcat right and the begin the beginning of that was talking about state wrestling right yes. both boys and girls yeah and that was exciting i, I 
got to go to state wrestling for the first time, and and so it was a, a neat event. I'll bet it was. And and you're a basketball player by trade, so you spend a lot of spend a lot of time in the gym, but not much on the wrestling mat. I that imagine. is absolutely correct. And so I've asked questions. We've got great parents, um, the group of kids that you know answered my questions. And like I said, it's a it's a it's a really unique event um, to see. You know, it was one through four A. Um, you know, in in Salina, and so it was just. A lot of moving parts, and, and, and I always appreciate that.